Hello, listeners with attitude. I'm Michael. And I'm Nathan. And you're listening to The Power Trip, a journey through the Power Rangers franchise. In today's episode, we're discussing Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Season 2. for this michael is this peak power rangers for you oh i don't know i i I don't know i don't know if this is peak power rangers for me but i know that i really adore this season at least for the half at least for the first half of the season up until i'd say i don't know white light that this is peak power yeah yeah it it's it's in contention for sure Mm -hmm. for sure but uh we'll get into that a little bit because uh it starts getting a little bit unhappy behind the scenes to say the least. <laughs> well, before before we get into all that, Nathan, do you want to take our listeners into the plot synopsis? Cue the music. The Emperor of Evil Lord said banishes Rita for her incompetence and seeks to destroy the Rangers and bring humanity to its knees. Meanwhile, the Rangers deal with Tommy's waning Green Ranger powers and several changing of the guards throughout a turbulent season filled with twists, turns, and new allies. So, season two is really interesting because a lot of stuff here changes. Yeah. And this changes. Like, the, not necessarily the formula changes a whole lot. But yeah, one thing that you'll notice with the last two seasons of Mighty Morphin is there are a heck of a lot more multi-parters. Oh, boy. (laughs) I mean, there were a couple of them in season one, famously Green with Evil, which was five parts. But good grief, one-off episodes become a little bit scarcer (laughs) in seasons two and three. It feels like season two in particular has a bunch of them. Season two, yeah, season two does have a bunch of multi-parters, and it, it like, the whole, especially up leading into uh, the middle of the season where, where with White Light, it feels like one gigantic multi-part episode, because everything is just kind of works together in such a way that it feels like that, and there mm-hmm. are, there's, there's not a, and like you said, there's not a whole lot of uh, just one-offs. Yeah. And one of the things that show that I think shows you just how huge Power Rangers was at this time is the season premiere was a three-parter and it aired in primetime. Oh yeah, I remember that. It it aired um it aired on Fox or aired on USA. It was either USA or Fox. It was Fox. Was it Fox? Okay. So it aired on Fox around eight PM on mm-hmm. a weekend. Or was it on a or was it on a weekday? I don't I remember. I just know it was in prime time. That's when you knew you had hit. They had hit the big time. Oh, I know. Yeah. And it was like I remember seeing it all over TV Guide. Like if anyone remembers TV Guide, oh, TV um, Guide still exists. It's just nobody reads it. <laughs> right. So I remember. I remember seeing it on TV on TV Guide. They had they had previews of the episodes. They had previews of what was going to come. They had pictures of the monsters and and the, and and our new uh, antagonist, uh, Lord Zed. They had all of that stuff in in the TV guidebook and I just remember being so hyped for the for season 2 like they were 
like you're right. This is when this is peak Power Rangers in the sense that it is now in the in the consciousness of culture at this point. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. But despite all of that success, as we have to mention this briefly with you know with some background stuff, things started to get a little unhappy behind the scenes. Which you know, a major franchise like this, a lot of a lot of moving parts, a lot of unhappy actors and actresses, and you know, yeah, there was a lot of behind the scenes drama with three with three very long with with three very important showrunners that just resulted in them leaving. Yeah, because a- the thing about Haim Saban is that, yeah, he's an excellent producer, seems to be a pretty creative guy. I mean, he figured out how to make this thing work. He's the brains behind it, but he's also a, but what he's really good at is business. Mm-hmm. And part of being yeah. a businessman is learning how to save money. Yeah. So unfortunately, yeah. it seems like during the Saban era, there was some serious issues with, paying their talent and yeah yeah, there were con basically to put it succinctly there were contract disputes and half of the cast left yeah yeah and and, and how like i like i mentioned at the top of the show like this this season does uh does have a lot of changes to it uh a lot of changes for the better and a lot of changes that were a little bit hard to get used to yeah which we'll talk a little bit about that uh, but you know preview of things to come we decided that one of the big themes in this season of power rangers is change and transition there's a lot of that there's it's happening with the villains it's happening with the rangers it's happening with everybody <laughs> in this just uh there are some shakeups, and shakeups can either can make or break a show you know if you want a good example of a show that that really navigated shakeups and actor departures and character changes and all that you watch something like mash which was on for 11 years and by the time the show was done after 11 years i think only one of the original cast members was left they changed it up that much but the show was brilliant enough to navigate all of that power rangers a little bit a, a little bit more mixed <laughs> yeah we'll, it was uh, uh, we'll get into it because at its core, at its core, it's still a, it's still a kid show. And so yeah. there, it's still a kid show. It's still, um, it, it's still supposed to be very family friendly. And, uh, a, a lot of that behind the scenes drama never necessarily, never really made it on screen. Like you can't tell, uh, when you start, you start to notice things like, uh, the voices of our main, of our, of three of our main characters start changing. Uh, specifically yeah. when they're in their when yeah. they're pow- when they're in their suits. And yeah, so. you also start noticing that three of the characters suddenly aren't as prominent in the episodes, and they're awkwardly working around them. <laughs> yeah, you 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 start noticing things like, oh, all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, the Yellow Ranger is staying with her grandparents and doesn't show up for two episodes, or. Yeah shows up very briefly, just enough time for the Zord battle, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Weird things like that. You also start noticing that Tommy, Kim, and Billy are hanging out a heck of a lot more. And <laughs> you know? Uh, the other big change that was happening this season was they ran out of Zhu Ranger footage. So mm-hmm. because Saban was just bound and determined to keep that, you know, the, you know, the branding that desperately 
they started making a heck of a lot more of their own footage using the Zhu Ranger suits. And they would mm-hmm. they were using footage from what was the most recent Sentai at that point, which was Die Ranger. But they were only using the sword footage and the well, monster correction, footage. Correction <laughs> on that though. Correction on that though, uh, Nathan, because you you said like there was a there was still some some Zhu footage used, but it was mainly Zhu two footage because we talked mm-hmm. about in the previous episode where uh, after episode forty, Saban commissioned uh, twenty more episodes. Yeah, to do to do Zhu. Well, is lo- what is lovingly refute, referred to as Zhu two. Well, a lot of that Zhu two footage also made it into the first. Uh, few episodes of season two as well and you and you can and you can really notice that with some of the choices in monsters where uh some of the monsters in in uh uh, the first season of mighty morphin were very animal based uh sometimes very element element based or fantasy fairy tale based um that kind of carries over into some of uh what we see in season two and then about um i'd say about halfway through they transition over to using more die ranger footage. Yeah. But it, like I said, it's only the Zords and the monsters. They don't right. use the Rangers because the Rangers and die ranger look completely different. Yes. exactly. Uh, although they carry one over. I take it back. They carry one over. They use the sixth Ranger and die ranger because he looks on brand enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. The, the Kiba range, the Kiba ranger, the Kiba ranger, uh, AKA the white tiger ranger. Yeah. Yeah, which we'll get into, which we'll get into. But yeah, so lots of shakeups, lots of changes, lots of transitions. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. happening to everybody, which we'll get into. Yeah. So yeah, we we don't have to we don't have to talk about the theme song because the theme song same is theme the same. Song. It's the same song. Same the theme uh, song. the uh, the sequence is different. And honestly, I don't think I like the the late the the later season sequences. They look they they look almost more like I I guess it just shows you how how much things have changed. The the season one uh, the season one intro sequence feels like TV, and now in the age of YouTube, the seasons two and three look like they were made on iMovie for YouTube. But I think it's just I'm sure back then there were, that was super professional and that looked you know uh, you know really high end. But now you can do stuff like that <laughs> yourself, right? Right. So yeah, yeah there's that. I pref- uh, I think the season one intro sequence is better. So for the Rangers, we're going to talk about, here's where we'll talk about our new characters. Because they show up, I think about 20 episodes or so in. This season's a little bit shorter than season one. I think it's like 53 episodes, somewhere around there. And they show up, I think around, I think a little bit after White Light, which is a big episode in this season. Yes. Yeah. And so we're introduced to them initially as just other, they're transfer students uh, to Angel Grove High. So they're new kids and no, they become huh? Stone Canyon. It's Stone, Stone Canyon. Canyon. Yeah. So, and they end up, bef- if I remember correctly, they, they befriend our main group of heroes and end up mm-hmm. figuring out who they are. And because they know who they are, they basically get recruited as civilian allies for by Zordon for the Power Rangers because they figured, because they figured it all out, which I actually think that's a great concept. You know, I, I like the idea of superheroes having civilian allies. You see it a lot in American superhero comics, the, mm-hmm. like the shadow, if you, at least in the movie, the shadow had civilian allies. So like they were informants. So he was saying, Hey, I saw this. You might want to go look it up or people like Batman, 
would have a quote unquote civilian allies. Like there, there would be like, like Lucius Fox, the scientist or uh, some of the cops, you know, they're, they're closer to civilians than, you know, Batman is, you know, for yeah. sure. But, you know, so I really like that dynamic and it's too bad that they, you know, they couldn't continue that or they didn't bring that concept back. Cause I think that would have been a great asset for the Rangers. Yeah. But, so, so our fir- so the first new character that we're, in- we're introduced to is Rocky. Uh, yeah. Rocky, our new and- Red Ranger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he replaces Jason as the Red Ranger. And uh, I don't want to be mean, but I feel like it's a downgrade. <laughs> it is. Uh, Rocky, I, it is. I just... Uh, it is. I have, have more power to... Oh, is it Steve Cardenas, I think is his name, the actor's name? Yeah, Steve Cardenas, he yes. He does. Cardin- Cardenas. He... he he works really hard in this, but I don't think the writers knew what to do with Rocky. They don't do a whole lot no. with him. A lot of times he's just there. And even when he gets some spotlight episodes, they're not all that great. And just, he doesn't get really get a chance to shine. I don't think. So I feel like out of the three, he gets, he gets the least to do and gets the least chance to really solidify himself. And when you're coming off of Jason, you're good luck. <laughs> good luck filling those shoes. Well, they they're they've established at this point too because this is post light. This is post white light, and in white light, Zordon does say, "Welcome back, Tommy, as the new leader of the Power." I know, Rangers. which I think they knew was. I think at that point they're like, "Yeah, we know Tommy's the most popular character, and mm-hmm. we know that a change is coming." So Jason just gets a demotion, and sure. Yeah. I'm yeah, sure so, if they weren't dealing with that, that would have been a great source of conflict where Jason's like, why did I get demoted? <laughs> uh-huh. Why does he get to be the leader? You know, but because let's be honest, Rocky wouldn't have been able to f- fill the leadership role. Again, I don't want to be mean to Rocky. I'm trying not to be mean to Rocky. No, but- no, Rocky, Rocky does. Rocky serves his, he serves his role well. It's just not, it's just not as good as, as Jason. Yeah, and honestly, the only Rocky-centric episode that I can think of is, it's in season two, and it's just, it, Rocky just wants to have fun, which is just weird, where it's just like, like Rita, it's one of those, re, uh, you know, uh, villains are being petty episodes, <laughs> yeah. where Zed just, instead of ta- trying to take over the world, he's just like, I'm going to put a magic spell on Rocky, so he just wants to do nothing but have fun, and he won't want to be a rage, so basically, he's just turning him into a hedonist <laughs> who doesn't want basically, to do any work <laughs> basically so, and it's it's played for laughs and it's just it just doesn't work <laughs> no it, it doesn't at all but the second new ranger that we're introduced to and this uh he takes the place of zach as the black ranger but i think yeah, do we the way to, he do we want to touch on the elephant in the room no pun intended because mastodon uh well yeah well yeah we'll we'll get we'll get there in a minute we'll get there in a minute but i want to touch on these characters first um so adam takes over uh the role of black ranger but his characterization is very similar to what we saw with uh trini as the yellow ranger Um, a bit he's Uh, he's asian which is might be part of it a little bit well, he's Asian, but he's also, uh, he's a lot more stoic, I think, out of the, out of the by, crop. Uh, this guy's played by uh, Johnny Young Bosch, who I think this who is has one a of really his first, good pedigree. Kind of his, yeah, th- yeah, he's got a really good pedigree. I think this is one of his breakout roles. He's done a lot of voice acting. If, you, uh, if you're uh, an anime fan like I am, he's done a lot of 
anime dubbing. He's very well. He's a musician. He has a band. Uh, and you can tell, again, much like with Jason David Frank, you can tell he's a talented martial artist. Out of the th- mm-hmm. uh, out of our three new characters, he's by far the most talented martial artist out of them. He knows what he's doing. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. It's great. So the guy is a very multi-talented person. He's an actor. He's a musician. He's a martial artist. It's great. I like him. Mm-hmm. Out of I think out of these three new characters, Adam's my favorite. I think Adam. I think Adam even has like a really kind of quiet, uh, quiet demeanor, like a soft kind of a soft spoken soul type, a soft spoken kind of soulful character is what he kind of he he reminds me of. Yeah, to a certain extent, he's not quite the the sensitive soul that Tommy was, but I see what you mean by that. And then our last new character is Aisha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she serves as. She's 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 a little bit similar to Kim uh in a lot of ways where yeah, not where, quite where, as not quite as overtly girly but still girly but still yeah, girly. still girly she's got she's got a, a not, she's not quite as bubbly as Kim but she has mm-hmm. a but she still has a bit of that happy go lucky kind of personality a black girl first black girl to be on the yes. Power Ranger mm-hmm. team so that's a mm-hmm. noteworthy thing Yeah yeah, and she replaces Trini as the Yellow Ranger, which becomes a little bit weird because I think she's de- she's she's shorter than Trini. <laughs> she's, she she's a, she's she is shorter. a short girl. <laughs> she's shorter and um, what's uh curvier? Let's just let's say that <laughs> she's she's shorter and a lot curvier than even Trini was, and it's it's bla- it's so obvious between the. It's so obvious because we talked about in the last episode uh, where the Yellow Ranger used to be was male in Jew Ranger, and he was a skinny he was a skinny male in in Jew Ranger, and in this, you know, you've got a, a curvy African American uh, woman playing the playing the Yellow Ranger, and it, you can obviously tell the difference uh, without getting. I don't want to get crude or, or rude yeah. about it, but yeah. you can obviously tell the difference. There's a, a feminine shape, totally a very, eye. very obvious feminine shape. Right. Well, and a that's the other thing that they were doing in this that was different is we started seeing both before the power transfer. That was the name of the episode. Well, before it and after it, we started seeing the actors actually wearing the costumes and they would take the helmets off. So we see them without the helmets, which I think was a little bit of a big deal when we started seeing that. So suddenly the kids are like, Oh my gosh, it's actually them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cause they didn't do that. I don't think if they did that in season one, it didn't happen very often, but it happened a lot in season two. So a big deal there, but it's like I said, a little bit of the, uh, the mastodon in the room. One of the things that, and I don't think this motivated, I think it was practically motivated because like three act, three of the actors are leaving and they they sent Trini, Jason, and Zach to the never-ending peace conference. That's a bit of the joke. <laughs> the never-ending yeah. peace conference because they never, yeah. co- well, I shouldn't say they never come back, but, <laughs> but anyway, uh, is something that apparently... The I don't know if it was actually a controversy back in the 90s or if it was just something that the creators just kind of stumbled upon once they got about 15 episodes. And even the actors said like they never thought about it, which is they have a black guy as the Black Ranger and they have an Asian girl as the Yellow Ranger. 
For some people, that's problematic. And I look at it and I say, like, no, it was just a happy accident. Even the creators didn't realize anything. And but you notice that after this, it starts a trend. Even in the 2017 movie, when they reboot it with the same characters, they swap some things around. So they have gone out of their way to avoid having an Asian Yellow Ranger and a black Black Ranger. And honestly, I feel like it's a an outdated concern. We we live in a post Black Panther world now, where I don't think it would be an issue now anymore. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I personally as uh, I, I just don't think it would be an issue now either. Yeah, and then it well, and then it becomes they kind of retcon themselves into a little bit of an issue later. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but in Zio. Because they reveal that Tommy has some Native American heritage and he's a Red Ranger. (laughs) Kind of back themselves into a corner a little bit. (laughs) Again, by accident. I don't know how much people would be concerned about it now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I would hope they wouldn't be concerned. But, you know, we have to bring that up because it it starts a trend. It does. Yeah, it does. uh, did we talk about, uh, do we want to talk about the contract disputes a little bit more? In yeah, detail, we can. Or... Yeah. Uh, so essentially the reason why our three characters that we've kind of grown to get to know over the la- over the course of like over 70 episodes at this point have left is because of simply contract disputes. They weren't, they, they wanted more money because at this point Power Rangers was at the height of its popularity and they deserve, and I'm assuming they were doing television and con appearances and things of this nature, and they wanted to be paid what they were worth. And Saban, being the shrewd businessman he is, wanted to save money, and there was conflict there. So, I mean, the whole reason, um, well, part, uh, well, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons for using the Sentai footage was to save money. Right, exactly. So um, nowadays, um, uh, uh, there came a point in the franchise where it's just tradition. Now, budget wasn't necessarily an issue, but. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, the Rangers wanted to, these three actors, actors and actresses wanted to be paid what they were worth, but Saban had other plans. And so they did not renew their contracts. I know that's a really cliff notes version as to, of, to what actually went on behind the scenes, but without going into too much detail about it yeah, and that's just basically kind of focusing yeah, just kind of folk trying to focus on the on what on the material that we're presented in this season, uh, but I know it was I know it would I know it would be be doing it in ju- an injustice or a dis- disservice by not acknowledging that there was some behind the scenes drama that caused our three characters to leave. But you know, here we are. Yeah, basically. And then we did get a couple more uh, supporting cast characters who disappear very quickly after a certain point in the season. Mm-hmm. But we had Curtis and Richie. Curtis is Zach's cousin, who is also into dance, and right. he comes in and impresses people with his dance moves. They don't mm-hmm. do a whole lot with him, unfortunately. And then there's also Richie, who comes in, another new kid, and they don't do a whole lot with him either. There, he comes in and kind of shakes up the dynamic a little bit. Mm-hmm. But they're the big reasons why they get introduced early on in the season. Other than, you know, giving a, you know, having a little bit of family development, which we also had, we, uh, we didn't mention this in the previous episode, but there, oh, probably one of the best episodes in Ju 2 in season one was Return of an Old Friend, 
which is when they yeah. brought Tommy back as the Green Ranger for a couple of episodes. And then the part of that plot revolved around Parents Day. So we got to meet our Rangers parents. And we also learned that Kim is a child of divorce and her right. mother is getting ready to remarry. So she has a stepfather now, and that's very hard for her. And I'm, the fact that the show was actually willing to tackle something like that, I think was that, that was a little, that was a brave thing to do, you know, to actually talk about divorce, because that was something that a lot of kids were facing at the time. And yeah, it was because it, was. it, because I know in the news in the nineties, a lot, this is where, um, I mean, this term has been, this term was around before then, but you started hearing things, especially in, um, especially in television and other media about blended families. I know around yeah. this time, uh, there was a popular show on ABC or Disney. I can't remember. I think it was ABC called, um, uh, step by step, which is, yeah, that was ABC. Was it ABC? It was it, it, that that entire show is built around the concept of a bit of a blended family. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Brady either, Bunch was a blended family, but both of those parents were widowed, so that was a little right. different. It was a little yeah, that was slightly different. But you know, in Step by Step, uh, a ni- this '90s television show, I think both both um, both parents were divorced prior to meeting each other. So yeah. there yeah. was a little bit of that already touched on in mm-hmm. television. But this is the first time in a kids superhero show that I know of that divorce was touched on. Yeah. And that's something that needs to be mentioned because it's going to come back later <laughs> as we oh, go. Yeah. But, oh, so we have to make sure to mention that. And, you know, it's also kind of funny because all the parents are equally as color coordinated because that's a trope of Sentai <laughs> and Power Rangers. All their civilian clothes are color coordinated to their Ranger colors. Yeah. <laughs> and the parents are equally as color coordinated and good Lord, Jason's dad is a huge man. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jason's dad I mean, looks like a power lifter. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jason, the, uh, um, Austin St. John is not a small man. No, uh, but his dad is gigantic. We also see bulk. We also see bulk's mother and father in the, well, he takes after his mom. <laughs> <laughs> the one, yeah, but that, anyway, the, that was that was last season. So we're expanding on the Rangers' families a little bit here. You know, we hear about Trini's grandmother, and then we see Curtis, his cousin. But they're like I said, they're really just there because at yeah. one point they were being they were put in there as potential candidates to be the White Ranger because apparently Tommy was not their first choice. Spoiler warning. Uh, but you know, but they also ended up kind of being red herrings, but not the most obvious of red herrings. Yeah. It was a little bit more subtle. Like it's a little more subtle the way they kind of presented it to the audience of, you know, this person could, but this, uh, well, and we talk, we'll talk about, uh, Richie, which is, um, who works at the juice bar who only shows up for just a handful of episodes and his, and his main and the main purpose of him even being in this is so that it can subvert expectations thinking, Oh, could he be the white Ranger? Yeah, basically, basically. But now let's get into the white Ranger. Cause that's our sixth Ranger this time around. So Tommy fought, it loses his green, his uh, green Ranger powers. He kept them for a little while. They finally, uh, they finally exhausted no mm-hmm. more Green Ranger for now. <laughs> and, uh, so then we had a handful of episodes where there was no Sixth Ranger. And then we get to this big two-parter. And I remember when this was 
this happened. It was oh, this a was a huge deal. deal. This was oh, a this huge was a deal. huge deal. Yeah. So we get to White Light, this two parter. We're introduced to the White Ranger, who was the sixth Ranger in Die Ranger, and even though the costume is different, it's on brand enough with Zhu Ranger that it works, even though it clearly has some different design elements. Just ignore the fact that in the Sentai, the White Ranger is a twelve-year-old kid. <laughs> A he's very hormon, a very hormonal twelve year old child. Uh, he's a Sentai Kenny, <laughs> uh, which is uh, a little bit apparent in some of the Sentai footage that they use. <laughs> Dave's Jason David Frank tries really hard to sell it, but it's clear that I'm just like, yeah, you're supposed to be twelve. <laughs> Because, like, the first time we see him summon the Tiger Zord, and he's like, yeah, whoa, whoa, look at me. It's a little kid just, you know, flipping out. And Jason David Frank tries really hard <laughs> to make mm-hmm. it seem not what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't unsee it. <laughs> well, after watching, you know, I crack up a little bit. Like, I, I, I find it hilarious. Like, after I've watched, I've already watched through Die Ranger. And so watching Die Ranger and then rewatching season two of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, some of the mannerisms and some of the things that um, that you see Tommy yeah, as the white Sentai White Ranger is very animated, <laughs> very animated. And, and Tommy, Tommy, Tommy himself is a little bit more of a stoic character in a way. He's a little bit more sentimental, emotional, stoic, whatever you want to say, uh, whereas the 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 kibber Ra- the kibi ranger kibber ranger whatever i call it the ki- sometimes i screw up and call it the kibble ranger um <laughs> uh, you know cats and dogs and all that and um he's very animated very very animated and it's just kind of it's really funny to me to watch you know to watch all the die ranger footage within season two because it is a stark contrast i believe yeah very much so but it was a big deal there was a lot of mystery in that episode because you knew that Alpha and Zordon were working on something, but they weren't telling the Rangers, which was kind of weird. But it created some mystery because they go back to the command center and they're like, why is the power off? What's going on? And then Billy starts looking around while the other Rangers are dealing with the threat of the week. Uh, well, which we'll talk about a little bit because there's some weird things in that. In there's that some episode. really weird things. And one of the weird things with that, in my opinion, was. Up no, to this that was point, in Green No More. I'm thinking of Green No More. But anyway. Okay. So up to this point, you know, Zed has just been using various things in the environment or in day-to-day life to create his monsters. But for some reason, he decided to slow cook this monster uh the scarlet sentinel for uh yes. for, for for the white which, light two-parter which admittedly how they go about it, it it's really feel like it would be taken differently now <laughs> but it was weird very weird because <laughs> they have the uh the sentinel statue which looks like a giant clenched fist <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> oh boy <laughs> and it's oozing slime which they, they people are like well that's a little weird but they don't think much of it but then they're like maybe we should tell zordon and then we find out later yeah it's this monster of the week being slow cooked yeah so the rangers are dealing with that billy sneaks into the secret lab off to the side because you know the 
anything outside of the main platform for the command center is weirdly minimalist. And uh, let's not talk about the rad bug. Glad they dropped that. That was so weird. <laughs> Billy, uh, Billy should be a billionaire. I'm sorry. He should not be a kid in high school. He should be a billionaire with the things he's inventing in his lab. Okay. He should be like, oh yeah. He should be the next Elon Musk as far as I, I was going to I was going to say that. I was like, this is like, Billy has given, Billy has accomplished more in, I would say a time span of maybe a year or two than Elon Musk has ever accomplished in his career. Yeah. I'm just saying Billy should be a billionaire someplace but you know he has a different fate but anyway so he goes off to the side finds this lab and he sees oh they're working on a ranger we don't quite see it but the the two-parter ends with him saying they're working on another ranger and then it ends Ooh, yeah that's a that's a big thing and then we go to the next one and then admittedly in what might be one of the best film sequences at least in the saban footage of mighty morphin we have the revelation of the white ranger who descends down like an angel from heaven and, you know with a big old spotlight and comes down and then he's and then zordon says white ranger show us who you are something like that and he takes the helmet off and then it cuts and then <laughs> kim faints and then it cuts the commercial like that was kind of brilliant right there and then when it, immediately when it comes back we see the rest of the shot and it's tommy what's up guy cuz tommy's like what's up guys you know? yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, poor Kim is unconscious right there. It's probably the girliest thing she ever does in the whole show, which is just fawn. It's wonderful. She can fight all kinds of hideous monsters, but her boyfriend turns out to be the uh, be yet another sixth ranger, and she just can't handle it. She, she just can't do it. <laughs> you know, but leading up to but leading up to that too, though. You know, there was a lot of mystery because if you were, if I remember it correctly, um, Zed, one of Zed's uh, subplot goals was to capture Tommy for himself. Yeah, the make... villains start becoming weirdly obsessed with Tommy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of odd, to be honest. <laughs> I think it's because he was the sixth ranger. He he was evil for a time. So they, they want to tap into that a little bit. They want to reclaim that power, which is one of the things that Zordon makes sure to say is like, Hey, this, the white ranger is made from the, from the, from the light of goodness. So it, he, you know, it can't be taken. Mm-hmm. So we yeah, don't have to worry be- about the villains trying to corrupt Tommy again. Yeah. It can't be corrupted. Like good, like good over the, the concept of good, oh, the white light of good, can never be overtaken by the darkness because yeah, which is a great theme, by the way, it's a, it's a yeah. great concept, which we'll it talk is. about a little bit later. So, you know, so then, and one of the things that's kind of cool, which kind of leads us into the sword discussion, I'll say is Tommy also gets a new weapon. It's not the dragon dagger anymore. It is right. Saba who I think had to, that had to be a self insert a bit for the brand because Saba Saban, well, it it is if you read if you read the Ranger Wiki, it is short for Saban Entertainment. Yeah, I I knew it. I knew it. The thing about Saba is Saba is a really cool idea. Another one of those things like it feels very mythic, very folkloric, and uh, you know classic. And I really like it, but it's underutilized. And that is Saba is sentient. Saba can talk. He has a little tiger head on the bottom of the hilt, and Tommy can hold it up and talk to him. Except yeah. he doesn't I mean, do it all that often. And I know in the Sentai, 
the Sentai counterpart for Saba talks a heck of a lot more, but I'm like, and there's no explanation for Saba. It's just like, here, you get Saba. And then the next scene, he's the White Ranger call, uh, summoning Zords, and Saba's talking. I'm like, no one, no one prepared me for this. <laughs> he just does it. No explanation. But then after that, he hardly talks. By season three, he's just a sword. He never talks think- anymore. Do you think the concept, uh, this is sort of a little rabbit trail. Um, <clears throat> do you think the concept of Saba is a little bit Arthurian? Is it Arthurian? Arthurian? Arthurian is the word you're looking for. Uh, there is precedent for there being uh, fantasy stories that have talking weapons, particularly swords. And that's why I just, I love the idea. The and the, This is one of the things that I think is one of the great improvements that the, the audio drama, Power Rangers audio drama does, is Saba's a full-fledged character. Mm. Oh, and yeah. he has an arc and everything, a lot of mythology attached to him, background. It's wonderful. And in this, he's just the sword that sometimes talks. Right. It's yeah. a, a missed opportunity, I think. I think it's a I think it's a massive missed opportunity because you're right. It, like if you go back and watch Die Ranger, uh Saba talks a lot, like too much sometimes. Um, and there's whole episodes dedicated to just Saba. In the in the Sentai, he's called uh, uh, Baraku or uh, Byaku or something. I cannot I cannot remember. I think it's Baraku in um, in uh, the Sentai. But uh, he gives advice to our Kibir Ranger to the to the child that plays Kibir Ranger. He gives advice to them. He kind of mentors him a little bit and kind of shows him the way of being a ranger. Because again, this is just a kid, you know, with this massive responsibility thrust upon him. And so Saba plays as the pseudo mentor to the white ranger in die ranger where in this it's just a, a weapon that talks which, yeah. yeah it's it's cool concept but i wish they would have yeah. explored that more yeah a little like i said missed opportunity so now let's talk about the sword so this is another one of those changes we're talking about change so they like i said they ran out of footage or for Zhu Rangers, they can't use the Zords anymore. Now, they try to kind of have their cake and eat it too with this because they say, well, these new Zords are just transformations of the old ones. Right. Yeah. So, and they even made new little sequences that clearly don't look like <laughs> like Japanese tokusatsu <laughs> where they they get struck by lightning because they're the Thunder Zords. Ooh, so there's your band name right there. Thunder Zords. <laughs> Thunderstruck, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was caught huh. in the middle of a ring attack. <laughs> so they're the yeah, so they're the thunder swords. So they get struck by a bolt of lightning because supposedly yeah. they're destroyed, and then they use what's left of them to make the new swords. So they transform mm-hmm. into these new thunder swords. Uh, so because again, they they really wanted to keep those. Zhu Ranger suits and those dinosaur motifs, but you know, the it's Zords becoming, are becoming well it, at this point, it's becoming increasingly difficult to do that. Though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but they tried really hard for a while there. And so, like, the T Rex became the Red Dragon, which, oh my gosh, the Red Dragon. The Red Dragon is glorious. <laughs> the Red Dragon is beautiful. And, and the thing oh, and the that really is fun- a beautiful tokusatsu. Like, that was that was in the running for my awards, but oh my gosh. The red dragon is the best one out, out of this new set. 
the fun thing about uh, the fun thing about the red dragon is it can transform into its own warrior mode Zord, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. And uh, that one is very, uh, very reminds me a lot of the Monkey King. There's a little bit of a Monkey King influence because he fights with a staff and apparently has a has a wrist that can rotate 360 degrees. So you could just spin it around. <laughs> So that one's really cool. And then he can combine with the other swords. But this is, like I said in the previous episode, this is at a point where the uncombined swords, other than the red dragon, the red dragon gets some things to do on its own, partly because in large part, because it has a warrior mode, but the rest of them don't really do anything. They just combine. Yeah. Which is a tad bit disappointed. And I think somebody didn't do their research because the because Billy's new sword, they call it the unicorn sword, except it doesn't have a horn. Yeah. Which in I think sen- at some point they change it to Pegasus. In the Sentai, in the Sentai, it's Pegasus. Which not makes a, a heck of a lot more sense. Yeah. So whoops. <laughs> um, so we get what was it? It was a it was the quote unquote unicorn, the dragon, a lion. A griffin. A griffin. I think that's all of them. And a phoenix. And a phoenix, yeah. Or the, the ter- a phoenix. The phoenix firebird. Slash firebird. Firebird, yeah. Firebird, yeah. The uh, the pterodactyl becomes a firebird. So, because the the gimmick for Die Ranger was not dinosaurs. It, uh, it was... Uh, more like zodiac animals, you know. The yes. like, so if you're familiar with not even not even zodiac animals, more like I guess more like the four guardians. If you're familiar with the Gamera Heisei trilogy, they deal with mm-hmm. a lot of stuff like that. So there was more mythological in nature, right? So uh, you know, so that's like I said, they tried to have their cake and eat it too. But um, so you have the Thunder Megazord instead of the Megazord, and uh, admittedly, the Thunder Megazord's pretty cool, but uh, I miss the I miss the first Megazord. Yeah, I mean. Uh, if if they if they had to transition and give us a brand new Zord, I mean the Thunder Megazord does look good, it and does. it's got this um, <clears throat> it's very got this samurai very, look, right? Yeah, it's got it's it's very samurai. That's that's the word I was looking for. Uh, it's because it's got this massive helmet that just looks like a, a samurai helmet, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just the built armor up. looks like uh, samurai armor. Mm-hmm. It's just it's mm-hmm. it's just built up in a way that looks very imposing and just mm-hmm. big um, and powerful. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, although the original Megazord was powerful looking and and very unique and very interesting looking, um, this one has sort of a a, a gra- the Thunder Megazord sort of has that a, a gravity and weight to it that maybe the the former Megazord didn't. Maybe. I see what you mean. I get it. But as much as I love the red dragon, probably the best implemented and most popular of the new swords is the white tiger. Right. And the white tiger actually will factor into one of my awards for this, uh, for this episode. So uh, Tommy can summon this and in the Sentai, the white ranger summons, uh, summons the white tiger and the so and it, you get the impression that Saba and the White Tiger are closely connected, but again, it goes unexplored, unfortunately. They are in the Sentai. They are closely, yeah. very closely. And uh, they do. There's some still some very Japanese things <laughs> about the Tiger Zord. Like a lot of the attacks are done by taking little glass balls and throwing them into a tube, like you like going to the bank. You know, it's like you know the little <laughs> like canisters that get sucked through 
those hoses, you know, the pipes. And so he throws it in there and it does attacks and Kanji appears on the tiger's mouth, which is on its chest when it goes to the warrior mode. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it starts like shooting fireballs and things like that as he's doing that. So some of the Sentai seams can still be seen you know, yeah. in Power Rangers. And this is one of those more obvious examples. I think it's, I think in season two, it's, um, it's, it's just, ext- it was just extremely hard for them to hide the Sentai influence in this season. So they just made the best they could. With yeah, it. they did. They did. But the white tiger is a very impressive Zord. Probably oh, it's the an most, impressive. Probably next to the red dragon, probably the most, well, no, I think it's even more versatile than the red dragon because the tiger Zord does more without going into warrior mode. It was weird as this sounds like the, the dragon, even though you would think it would be pretty deadly outside of warrior mode. It does most of its damage in warrior mode. <laughs> yeah. The white tiger at least has an attack that it can use when in tiger mode, it can jump up in the air and, and spin around and hit people with its, with its tail, which, uh, which later gets transformed into the sword, into the saber that, um, that the tiger Zord wields when it's in warrior mode. Um, it's a really impressive, it's a really impressive effect. Mm-hmm. It really, it is. Mm-hmm. It's not quite dragon Zord, but no, you know, uh, but, but I don't think the white Ranger is the white Ranger is iconic because it's Tommy, but I don't think it quite achieve it, the white Ranger doesn't quite achieve the same status as green Ranger and tigers uh, and uh, dragon Zord. When you talk about the six Ranger trope, every six Ranger trope, I feel like is built around the concept that was first was first made with the green ranger uh that's what everyone any any if you talk to any ranger fan about you have that conversation about the sixth ranger trope they always compare it to the green ranger and to some extent they compare it to the white ranger because it's tommy you know tommy uh is the probably hands down well it is he is the most popular character from this franchise like there are there is so much there's there's been so much lore and and storylines in comics and in media and in movies and different things and fan fiction. There's been so much uh, built around him and his character that he is Power Rangers. Yeah, basically, the Red Ranger might be the first thing that comes to mo- to most of the uninitiated's mind. Like that is the Power Ranger for most people, but for the people who for the people who watched it, Tommy comes to mind. Right. I know our friend Kim, uh, our, our friend Kaiju Kim, um, when she, when she, I, 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 we've had this conversation before with her before, I believe. And she says, you know, when she thinks about Power Rangers, obviously the Red Ranger, Jason, is the first one that comes to mind because he is the original. He's the original leader of the Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So now we come to what might be next to Kim, not, you know, Kimberly in the show, not Kaiju Kim. <laughs> what might be uh, your favorite part of Power Rangers? We got to talk about our new baddie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is this the part where I just step aside and you know and just let you gush? <laughs> Lord freaking Zed! <laughs> like in that prime time episode uh, of the mutiny, which is the which is the two parter that Lord Zed three parter uh, is it a three part. Okay. You're yep. right. It is a three parter. I'm sorry. It is a three parter. Uh, in my notes, I just have it part. I have, I have it wrote down as uh, mutiny part one and two, I guess I missed a part, but um, you know, 
it does not take long at all for Lord Zed to become established as the new baddie. It's within the first five minutes of the episode. They they, they don't waste any time. So essentially, um, to give a little bit of context, Lord Zed is this intergalactic emperor who apparently sent Rita Repulsa on a mission to destroy Earth or to defeat the Power Rangers. Well, well no, to, to conquer Earth. To conquer Earth. Yeah, and by the because way, he, Lord Zed was a character made by Toei in Japan exclusively for Power Rangers. They filmed stuff in Japan with the Lord Zed suit, but it was exclusively for Power Rangers. And sometimes I do wonder if Toei ever looked at that thing and thought, couldn't we? I was like, why didn't we think to do this for Sentai? It's <laughs> such a, it's such an impressive piece of tokusatsu. It, it really is. is. And, uh, and Zed is pure nightmare fuel. <laughs> Oh, it is. He looks like he looks like like if you've ever seen Hellraiser, he looks a bit like a Cenobite. He's just weird. He's he's the he's this skinless, just weirdo. You know, you you see a bunch of exposed muscles. You can see an exposed brain on his head, and he's got all of this silver kind of armor plating on him. He's got tubes on him, which kind of implies that he needs all of the stuff to stay alive. He's got a mask with a great on his face oh so he's got a little bit of a a little bit of a darth vader thing going on there and are the, you talking about his radiator face Is yes radiator face about? one of the many insults that comes later <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's got a, a a huge red visor that's his eye and you're like is that really his eye or is it a, it's probably a machine sometimes there's condensation on the inside so that poor actor is sweating to death in that thing but <laughs> the perils of of suit acting <laughs> you know i wish i wish that we could have went through with our with our own fan fiction that we wrote about the backstory of oh Lord i know that lord yes i mean there's some th- you get hints of it in the show but i really yeah <laughs> i know that the boom comics just put out an issue where they do explore the uh the backstory of lord zed which is actually kind of similar to what you and i had in mind yeah. you know he was he was an eltarian figure uh, that's the only that's the biggest difference he was an alt he was an eltarian figure who was yeah, eltar is by- zordon's home planet for those who don't know sorry i'm thank you nathan for keeping the uninitiated informed yeah um so he was he was an eltarian figure who was corrupted by the zeo crystal which is this powerful uh crystal uh that would come into that will come into play late in a later season season three season three and in season four power rangers zeo yes um so you know lord zed when when you see his debut this is to me this is the way you debut a new bad guy Mm -hmm. because he because he he enters in with this menacing um this menacing his own little version of the imperial march from star wars which does sound like the imperial march like does it not sound like the imperial march? it's got shades of it for sure yeah, and I'm wondering if that was on purpose. That was probably oh, probably purpose. because giving your villain a march, like a, a a piece of music that sounds like a march, is a good way to communicate to the, musically communicate authoritarianism. You know, which is what the Imperial March does. You know, it sounds very imposing, very authoritarian. So you know, it works for that because that's what he is. He is a galactic emperor. He is a tyrant of tyrants. He has no nonsense and does not 
suffer incompetence very well at all. And he is terrifying when he shows up. And he just he just comes in and he cleans house. I am so I am I am so I'm disappointed that the that the characterization of Zed evolved like it did. But I understand. Yeah, we start to see it in this. He starts as the season goes on, he starts doing more of the I just feel like being petty plots like Rita would do, which seemed more in line with that seemed very in line with Rita, but it seemed it didn't seem like it fit Zed, but you know, it's and I just want to say this before we go on because this is something that we're gonna talk about a bit more in a later season. There are two ways that I think are the way you go about making your villain. Mm-hmm. For and for particularly for something like a superhero show, but it can apply to it can apply to any kind of villain. I think. Yeah, you want to make do them in one of two ways. You either want to make them as cool as possible, just freakishly cool, very elementally evil. Mm-hmm. All right, like the Joker before the Joker movie. Anyway, the the Joker was very much that a super cool elementally evil villain. That is what he is. He is a force. Zed is definitely qualifies for that. He is a force with an incredibly good look and the, the personality to match. The other way you want to go about making your villain is making them more three-dimensional and making them a little bit more of an interesting character, which we'll talk about again in a later season. But Zed definitely falls into that first category. So do we want to touch on um, on the other thing that makes Zed extraordinarily cool because apparently uh, this is the first time. Well, no, no, I take that back. This is not the first time, but this is, this is the time where uh, it's revealed to us later on in the season that Zed actually possesses his own Zord. Serpentera, which is a feat of tokusatsu and absolutely terrifying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. That that thing from Die Ranger. It's like Toei outdid themselves with that. That thing. Oh no, it is oh as my as, Im- as impressive as the Red Dragon Zord is. Serpentera is equally if not even more impressive. Yeah, which uh, it was a, one of several elements in a very key episode, the which we'll talk about one uh, we'll talk about in a little bit, but that was from the power transfer and that thing. Good grief. That thing is massive. They I, rarely have I seen scale communicated oh. as well as they do with this. That thing feels huge and it feels I, there's some Lovecraftian terror <laughs> with Serpent Terra because it just feels so huge and imposing. Like you are, which is fitting because Serpent Terra's, uh, Serpent Terra's Die Ranger counterpart is literally a god <laughs> yes it is a it is a galactic dragon god that comes in only when necessary to basically settle a dispute between the die ranger between the die rangers and the villains for for die ranger yeah uh, he he maintains balance which is a very japanese thing yeah it's a very japanese thing but it, so he's appropriately imposing yeah like horrifying honestly and so, yeah, so unfortunately, Serpentera has one major problem. It runs on AAA batteries. <laughs> <laughs> we 
which you know it's, which a, it's I, kind I think, of a wonderful achilles heel that's why that's how they could say like oh yeah zed has this thing but the reason we're not seeing it all the time is it's not very energy efficient <laughs> well it's like well, having true, an, it's like having an suv that gets five miles to the gallon you know it's big right. cool and intimidating but doesn't last long right it's, <laughs> that's it's, what she but said I, 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 god have mercy um i missed the opportunity to, to to say that's what she said um but you know it's i can understand why they gave it that achilles heel because something that massive and imposing and just powerful like realistically how could you how could you deal with something like like yeah. that, like something like Serpentera should have been saved for, for a finale because that is this big imposing dragon Zord yeah. creature. As it stands, uh, season two doesn't really have a real finale. It just ends. It doesn't. No, it just ends. You're right. It just ends. It, uh, it ends with Billy gone bad. If I'm not mistaken. Is yeah, basically. Although of- I feel like, well, in which we'll talk about it, I think in a little bit, or do we want to talk about it now? You want to talk about the wedding? Because that's basically um, the finale. like if they were gonna if I was gonna pick some episodes to be the finale, it'd be that probably. You know what? Let's 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 save the wedding for when we get into yeah. our awards. Yeah, we also had uh, something that's going to become a little bit of a trend. We did have a uh, one uh, an episode uh, three parter called Return of the Green Ranger, which I don't think it's as key an episode as some of the other ones because it's more gimmicky than anything else. It is. It has it a is. cool fight scene in it between Tommy as the White Ranger and his evil double as the Green Ranger. And that's th- that three-parter exists just for that. So it's exactly. kind of yeah. gimmicky. It's just, it's just like eh. <laughs> you did that because you yeah, had the two my... suits. Tommy's popular and you want to see them. You want to see the, these two Rangers fight each other. That's the, really the it, only reason it exists. Right. It, it's, it's, it doesn't really move the needle for this season at all. Not really. Like I see, it's just, there's just nothing there, but uh, since we're already talking about Serpentera, which is not really a monster of the week, but close enough, you know, let's talk about some more of the monsters that we had a few of the highlights for this season. Yeah. So uh, the one that I wrote down, one that I wrote down, I should say was Nimrod, the Scarlet Sentinel, which is what we were talking about earlier with white light. And I just think that's such a, it's just a really cool name. A lot of the names for these monsters of the week tend to be very puntastic. This was actually one of the ones that got away from that naming convention. It sounded really cool. Like uh, season one had Madam Woe. That was a really mm-hmm. cool monster. That was. Yes. It was a wonderful yeah, she, name. She like was... that name made me incredibly happy. I was like, that is, whoever came up with that name was a genius. So yeah. And yeah. So she, she was, Nimrod, she was... which is a, uh, that is a uh, mythological ref. Uh, no, it's a biblical reference. Actually, there's a warrior is, yeah. in the Bible named Nimrod. And a lot of times we use Nimrod as an insult for someone who's ignorant or stupid. But in the in the you know, in the Bible, Nimrod was an incredibly powerful warrior. It's mentioned in Genesis. So, and Scarlet yeah. Sentinel just sounds really cool. So, yeah. I like that. Yeah, one. but but the the thing that's weird about Nimrod, Nimrod comes with two assistants or two, uh, two doubles. Yeah, partners. two doubles. Yeah, uh, AC and DC. I read in my in the in the Power Bible, it's AC and DC, not what I hear in the dub of AC and Daisy, but it's oh. AC and DC. Oh, that's right up there with. Was it this season or another one? No, it's this season in reference to the Parantis head, 
where I could have sworn <laughs> Jason. I think he was saying, it's time to can this fish. And I, I like, wait a minute. Did he say that? I backed. I was like, did he say that or something else? Oh, okay. It was fish. <laughs> All right. You scared it's, me it's, there it's, for a second show. Like who, who in quality control let the, let the slide. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's can, it's can this fish, not can this bish. So we'll, we'll say, we'll say yeah, that. Basically. Um, <laughs> and speaking of Piranha's head, actually Piranha's head is one of my, uh, my, my notable monsters of the week, mm-hmm. mainly because this is the monster that destroys the dino Megazord. Yeah. He destroys the dinosaurs. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and it also introduces us to one of the other changes to this, which is that Zed he creates his own monsters. He basically puts Finster out of a job. <laughs> basically. <laughs> he yes. keeps Finster around. I don't know why, but Finster's just like, I got nothing to do. And well, Finster, sh- Finster shows up later on in season three. But what's funny about that yeah. episode, what's funny about that, that final part of the mutiny when Peranta's head is defeated, you get a little clip of Fenster saying, <laughs> if they would have used one of my, if, if they would have used one of my monsters, that would not have happened. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Just to say, yeah, he's still around. But <laughs> so uh, as Zed is, I guess, like Thanos, he, his philosophy is fine. I'll do it myself. So he makes his own monsters and he likes using uh, uh, animals and uh, inanimate uh, and in random inanimate objects as the basis for his monsters, because that's the thing in Sentai is they have absolutely ridiculous monsters that are, you know, it's just crazy. You know, whereas in like Ultraman, the monsters have a little bit more of a kind of a, a logic to them where in, in Sentai, they're like, let's just make anything a monster. <laughs> right. You know, there's literally a monster in a later season that is a purse. Well, it's better. I guess it's, I guess it's, it could be worse. It could be, it could be one of my other picks, but I'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But anyway, so, uh, so that's a Zed's thing. And the other thing that's different is he doesn't use a magic wand to make his monster grow. He throws growth grenades. Um, yes. So he makes Uh, a little grenade in his hand, throws it to earth, and then it either explodes near the monster or the monster catches it because they need to play for the Cubs or something. And then (laughs) they smash it and they get big and good Lord Goldar. Soon as Zed shows up, he's just like, screw you, Rita. I am loyal to my emperor. (laughs) And he, and then he becomes such a kiss up to Zed. Well, that's what I was talking about when, uh, that's what I was talking about in our, in our last episode where, you know, the characterization of Goldar is, you know, he's extremely loyal until someone else comes along that, you know, uh, that is more, that fits his motives a little bit more. Yeah, basically. So, you know, so anyway, an Perantis op- Goldar, said- Goldar is an opportunist. I'll just add that. Yeah, basically. So Perantis said, and then what other monsters did you have? Um, I actually had one of the, I, I picked this one because it's just so well. Okay. I just want to say this AC DC could be a references to electrical current or to the band. Just saying probably most likely. Well, I don't, eh, I was going to say the electrical current, but I don't know. It may have been the reference to the band. Who knows? Could be both. Um, could be, but uh, I picked another one and this is my last one. Um, 
for this for the monster section here, and that is the lip syncer. And the reason <laughs> I picked her, the reason is pretty I, funny actually. The reason I, the reason I picked her is because it just shows how ridiculous die ranger was and how ridiculous some of the some of the footage that they used was so essentially lip syncer is was was created well i'll take let me let me back up a little bit lip syncer and purse head or yeah purse head was created as a pair purse head was obviously made of a purse and lip syncer was made out of the lip the uh, lipstick found inside the purse so this kind of illustrates Zed using these random objects found around Angel Grove to make his monsters. So he was just going to, basically he is just making monsters out of whatever he can just to mess up the Rangers day at this point. Yeah. Basically like a very Rita thing to do, which speaking of that, let's transition into that. We'll talk about some of the, you know, the, the themes in this and changes and, you know, because that's the big theme. The big theme is change. Big theme is transition. So we have the villains yeah, transitioning but- to a new leader. We have the Rangers dealing with the loss of Tommy's powers and then him becoming the white Ranger and then the new Rangers coming in and it's just constant changes ever. A bulk and skull change their shtick. This becomes their thing for the rest of the time that they're on the show. They have they they're given a new shtick or a new obsession to keep them occupied for the season. Mm -hmm. Season one, they're just the token bullies. And this season, they get saved by the Power Rangers. And, oh, we forgot to talk about the Z-Putties. The Z-Putties that are more powerful than the regular putties, except they have a a glaring weak spot. (laughs) (laughs) So they are invincible until you punch the the Z on their chest and then they explode. Which might as well well say, punch me here. (laughs) Basically. I'm like, how did they not hit that more easily? I'm just saying. They keep bothering to actually fight the things. Like, come on. It's right there. It's the size of your fist. Just go, and you're done. I mean... Whatever, <laughs> but but anyway, so so we still at least they still have the putties around. I have opinions about season three, but <laughs> but yeah, you know, so we have all of this stuff happening, and then the villains have to deal with another change later. You know, uh, so well anyway, I forgot. Bulk and Skull, their obsession is they're trying to find out the secret identities of the Power Rangers. So they're going through all of these goofy shenanigans to you know to find out who they are, even if it makes no sense. <laughs> you know, it's like this is how we're gonna figure out the identities of the Power Rangers, and Skulls is like, yeah, maybe, sure. <laughs> so you know, so they're like, we're gonna figure it out, and then we're gonna be rich and famous. I'm like, do you really want to expose the identities of the superheroes that are keeping you safe? You jerks, but uh, <laughs> not the, not the smartest, not the smartest. Yeah. Well, you know, neither one of them are the sharpest tools in the shed, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because Skull's dad has a, sh- uh, has a garage with plenty of tools that they use to hilarious effect because <laughs> in white light, <laughs> because, because that's what they do. Cause that, uh, cause Zed shows up, stuffs Rita back in a dumpster again, throws her into space. And then the thing lands on earth like a meteor and then bulk and skull find it. And they, this is going to help us find out the identities of the Rangers. Like, okay, sure. <laughs> and so they try to open it you know, with everything in skulls, dad's tool shed, including a chainsaw. With something, 
with something that white hot, do you really think that they would need more than just gloves to pick it up? Oh, the gloves that came as part of Skull's Civil War reenactor outfit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. And the and the giant and the comedically oversized can opener. <laughs> yeah. It's just what and so they're trying to open the, they're trying to get this open and, oh, and they're going through all those shenanigans but then like i said then that because so they, they changed their shtick the it, and then we'll, we'll talk a little i think we'll talk a little bit about how things change for the villains later and it kind of plays into that because the censors and the mom's groups start hitting them hard i do think i do feel like the one of the changes that they do in implementing the show, and I feel like it has to go back to the censors, is I notice in season two, suddenly the Rangers are using their weapons a heck of a lot less. Yeah. yeah and it's to the point where it's like, you guys keep forgetting that you have literal ray guns in holsters yeah, on your hips right now, and you the still keep punching and kicking everything. The power blasters are just there for window dressing at this point. Yeah. And I think that when it goes back to the fact that there were all that there were parents groups objecting to Power Rangers because they thought it was too violent. So now subtly the Rangers are not using their weapons or they're using them substantially less. And I right. it's a little bit annoying because the weapons yeah, look they still great use... and they're great accessories. And I feel like something's missing when they're not using their weapons. Yeah, it's weird when when you when Jason has a fully functional sword, or Zach, or uh, or Adam, or Zach has a fully functional axe with a blaster on the end that they never use. Yeah, because since because the mom groups decided to get a little bit Karen on everyone. Yeah, so so we we have all of these changes going on, and I'm sure for for the kids who are watching, it was a little bit of a shock to the system. I mean, Zed was a literal shock, not literal, but you know, a huge shock because he's so much scarier than any of the other villains. And, you know, and then he's so very, it's a very different dynamic with him. And then oh, you had game. Tommy losing his powers. I mean, there are points where the good guys don't quite win. You know, Tommy loses his powers in a rather tragic fashion, but then we also get, I think one of the biggest moments, I think a really good moment with Tommy who wrestles with losing his powers and is confronted by the monster of the week. And he, we, and what I think is one of the most important things that you can see in a superhero, which is proving that he doesn't, it's not the powers that make him a hero. It's who he is that makes him mm -hmm. a hero. You know, it's just like, it's like Steve Rogers as captain America. He was a hero before he got the super soldier hero serum. Well, it, it, you know, even Tommy says in the dialogue, when Goldar is trying to beat him down with his all, with what he, what he sees is his, <laughs> with the stock footage. <laughs> well, yeah. Trying to beat him with stock footage. You know, Tommy just turns it around and says, you know what? You just showed me all the good I've done and I don't need my powers to be a ranger. Yeah. That's how, you know, he's truly a hero where he's like, I don't care. I'm still going to take you down. He's stout matched, but he, that, that is his mindset. That's one of the most wonderful. And that's the last time we get the green Ranger fanfare. And he's not even morphed. That tells that that is musically communicating to you. Tommy is still the green Ranger, even without all the trappings. Right. Yeah. It, it was, it was, it's one of the best moments I think in mighty Morphin. So, yeah, so he has to deal with that. He's dealing with loss. He's lost his powers. He can't really yeah. be a Ranger anymore. 
I mean, he dealt with it yeah, before, I mean, but now it's it's given actual permanence. Like they said, like we you're, there's no coming back from this. We cheated last season, but there's no coming back from this. Yeah, he's 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 dealing with loss and change, which I think is you know change and transformation yeah. is the main is one yeah. of the main through lines of this season. Yeah, and one of the things is I think that for a lot of kids they can get kind of comfortable. That was the thing about the monster of the week format with Power Rangers is it felt it felt comfortable, felt safe. You always knew what was going to happen, you know. Yeah, you know, the formula was sticking, but then they they throw some monkey wrenches into the formula, and now suddenly, oh, your favorite character can't be a superhero anymore. I'm sure that yeah. was difficult for a lot of kids because they love Tommy. Yeah. Why can't Tommy be a superhero anymore? That's not fair, you know. And so, yeah, kids get very used to routine, and then you have to shake it up and tell them, yeah, yeah, things change is a part of life, kids. You have to deal with it. Your characters are dealing with it. Your heroes are dealing with it. The bad guys are dealing with it. You know, you could almost look at the changeover from Rita to Zed to be like, hey, kids, guess what? Someday you're going to be working a job and a new boss is going to come in and you may not like the new boss. <laughs> Hello, MIFV Nate in season three of the film vault. <laughs> 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 no, you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right. I mean, there's like, you know, change is tough. Change is tough. And, you know, some of the changes that we saw in this season were, you know, for the most part, I believe for the better, like, you know, Tommy transitioning to the leader of the Power Rangers and becoming the White Ranger. I think that was a good that was a change for the better. Um, I, I I'm not 100 percent. I'm not, I was never a hundred percent sold on, on Rocky as the red Ranger, but I adapted to it. Yeah. I adapted to that. I adapted to that change. Yeah. I thought that Adam was a very, was a wonderful replacement for, for Zach and Aisha. She's a lot of fun. I think she's a, and she was a solid replacement for Trini. You yeah. know, there are a lot of good changes in this season. Um, there are some good changes with the villains and there are some ones well, that are said when he started. That was a great upgrade. Yes. Because that was. Zed was a villain you had to take a heck of a lot more seriously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Rita, absolutely. Rita was, was fun, but Rita, like I said, sometimes she's like, I feel like sometimes I think she just wakes up and says, I want to take over the world. The other time she wakes up and is like, I just want to be petty. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Zed was one that you yeah. absolutely, you had to pay Some attention to. Some days she woke up just like she wanted to be a world conqueror. Other days she woke up to be a Karen. I just. <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> world conqueror, Karens, it's all the same thing when it, when you're talking about Tokusatsu. Um, yeah, but, but, uh, but initially, Zed was, you, you didn't screw around with Zed until he tried to make his own Rangers. <laughs> Which we'll talk about a little bit more. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in my awards. But let's just say Green No More is a wonderful two-parter, except for that. <laughs> you know, I am so un I am so disappointed that we didn't get to see those Rangers, those quote unquote, those those Rangers in action. Did you really have to see Luchasatsu that bad? <laughs> Anyway, oh. moving on. But then we have to talk about this change because even after the change of adding Zed, then they changed Zed because the censors and the moms groups. <sighs> Which was, leads to apparently is, what is a very popular three-parter only because of the gimmick of having multiple monsters in it because that becomes a thing. 
in starting mm-hmm. in season two is they keep recycling monsters. Yes. Which is a tokusatsu, which is a tokusatsu henshin hero thing. They like recycling monsters. Common Rider does it too. Mm-hmm. Just listen to henshin men and you'll hear Travis and I talk about it. But, oh boy. I really want to hear your opinion on this. The whole concept, well, first off, you can go to some really weird places talking about, because on one hand, it's kind of interesting because you bring Rita back and she decides to make a power grab. And she makes a power grab in a very understandable sort of way. She basically says, hey, if I get hitched to this guy, I get loads of power with it. Mm-hmm. You know? So in a I mean, way, you, that's it's not like she's, that's not she's an being uncommon. A, it's not a common. That's a that's, that's a very accurate in history. It's a very femme fatale thing to do. You know, yeah. Get yourself connected to somebody who can give you power, resources, right. make whatever. Al- it make makes an sense. Al- make an alliance, get married. You know, consume. You know, try to uh, try to take power for yourself. Yeah. That so is, I really like whole... that. I really like that idea. Uh, also, again, change. Now we're fully revealing that we have a new actress playing Rita. It's mm-hmm. not the Sentai actress anymore. They cast their own actress, Saban did, to play mm-hmm. Rita. And now the dubbing actually looks in sync. <laughs> I'm beautiful. And the way they do it is it's Finster <laughs> gives her a makeover for her wedding, which yes. I thought was pretty clever. You know, it was. Props to you, it show. Was. And, you know, it's a good way to account for it. Before that, they were trying to obscure her face so you couldn't see. <laughs> Right now they don't have to. So she, her plan, which I, again, is actually a good plan. She puts, uh, cause apparently Zed has to take a nap every hundred years <laughs> to recharge his evilness, Yes, his evil energy. So he's taking his once a century nap. I mean, there's no wonder he's so over the top and cranky. He just, he never, he only sleeps once every hundred years. <laughs> All that pent up just, ah, uh, but uh, so he's taking his nap and then she slips a love potion into this apparatus. It looks like a Borg alcove <laughs> as a bed. It has, did you notice it has like silk too? <laughs> Just like, did you need the silk? Yes. It has no skin. So it's got to be soft right. or else it's going to hurt. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I'm making, I'm putting more thought into this than it needs to have. But, and it looks like they put, and that little apparatus behind it that's supposed to give him his recharge looks like something they found at Hot Topic. Oh yeah, like I said, it looks like a Borg alcove, and yeah. so she slips it into that apparatus because I guess it's feeding him something to uh, you know help him with his recharge. And the uh, prettiers herself up, and then goes over to him when he wakes up, and he's just instantly in love, and. I'm sorry, parents, if I'm bringing up something that might be a little touchy for the children you may have in the car listening to this, but uh, does this qualify as a date rape drug? I'm just... <laughs> oh, my God. No, we're not going there. I'm we're not saying, going there. He drugs him oh, to no. get what she wants. <laughs> I mean, no, we're not going there. We're not going there. Yeah. Anyway, it's just, it's all kinds of weird. It is all kinds of weird. And then they get hitched. That's the tie against the the wedding. And then a bunch of the monsters come back as wedding guests. And the dynamic changes completely after that. And I'll let you take it from here just on that subject. Oh, man. It's the wedding, the wedding, the wedding, the God. Like I'm watching the wedding thinking to myself, what the JDF did I just watch? Basically. You know? (laughs) 
Um, because at this point, yes, the the censors and the mom groups and the satanic panic has fine has finally caught up to Power Rangers. This is we're in full on censorship mode at this point, where they changed they changed the characterization of Zed totally to make him to start transforming him from this emperor of all he sees to emperor of taking out the trash. Basically, they tap a little bit into a common sitcom trope, which is to make the the husband and dad a little bit of a buffoon at the very least. They soften him. And okay, that's a better way to put it. They do. They soften Zed. And I understand why they had to do this, but did they really have to do it to this degree? Now, the caveat, the, the, the flip side of that is it's a really interesting thing to have Rita come back and be his wife. And so in theory, you would have this unstoppable duo of Rita Repulsa and Lord Zed, and you would think that the Rangers are going to be in big trouble at this point. But instead, they're their own know. worst enemies because they're they're either they either love each other, although at first it's, it's, it's Rita's just playing along, <laughs> but but then they also bicker with each other. So well, there's that there's that one little interesting there's that one interesting episode. I think it's when Zed gives Rita a telescope as an anniversary gift. And she and she looks that's at him. Season three is in, okay. So that's in season three. So I'm skipping ahead a little bit. It's it, like how long have we been married? He's he said. Well, it feels like my unhappiness is so my unhappiness has been so minimal. It feels lo- only like a like a like a century or something, something like, like that. that. So yeah. it's 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 very heartfelt. It's very kind of mushy. Yeah, they ch- they they, they s- subvert your expectations a little bit later. I have to say. Mm-hmm. So even though I feel like it's something that they kind of it's you know to use the comic book term it was one of those editorial mandates I think that they were given mm-hmm. you know it's in this case it was probably an executive mandate they and they I'm guessing the creators probably would have preferred not to deal with it but I feel like they found a way to to work with it and, mm-hmm. you know, and again it changes the dynamic and again it goes back to the theme this is you know it, it's change and transition and you know, it's hard on everybody. What's interesting, what's interesting is at this at this point when all this is going on, the Rangers are going to be are going to Australia to be to be representatives at this teen summit in Australia. Yeah, but they get to go nature. home. It's not the never ending peace conference. Also, we're going to Australia because we're secretly filming a movie. <clears throat> exactly. That's what I was going to say. The, the, like, this is not even a, a Ranger focused three parter. Not really. Like, we see the Rangers, but they're, they're, yeah, it's the, not really that, focused uh, on the, that was also an excuse to get the Rangers in a haunted house. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. <laughs> Had some good zingers in that episode, but yeah, it was just. It was. Yeah, it was also one of the few times they actually said, let's get our weapons. Well, the weapons don't work. <laughs> so, you know, my main, oh, thought, my wait, main, wait, there's another thing we have to talk about. We can't leave. We can't end this episode without talking about evil alpha. <laughs> <laughs> evil alpha <laughs> is the best. You want to talk about, we'll go back to change. We change. We literally change alpha because alpha keeps getting hacked with, with CD-ROMs, because that was a thing. <laughs> they put a CD-ROM. You want to screw with Alpha? Put a CD. Put the right CD-ROM into his back. I wish. I. I, 
I should have had Evil Alpha in my awards. In fact, I... I'll just say this right up front before we even get to the awards. Everything Evil Alpha says is my runner-up for best line because I need more Evil Alpha in my life. I just, I love it. They they turn Alpha evil and instead of trying to like take over the world or make, you know, he, I mean, he's trying to make, every, he's trying to make people's lives miserable, but he's just, <laughs> I feel like Alpha is just the internet. <laughs> Evil Alpha is just the internet. He is a troll. What is the first thing he does after he wakes up? He's like, I am evil now. Is he just, he paints, he paints over sword on tube, give him like glasses and hair. And just, he's a troll. Evil Alpha. Evil Alpha is so... I want Evil Alpha. I wanted Evil Alpha to become a recurring villain. (laughs) Evil Alpha might be the best villain in Power Rangers. (laughs) Evil Alpha is so good. Like, Evil Alpha is so good. And I I honestly, I'm really surprised. And this is me, me foreshadowing a little bit. I'm really surprised that I don't have any Evil Alpha quotes in my notes. I wish I did. That's because everything he says is gold. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Everything he says is gold. <laughs> oh, so again, change. Oh, put a CD-ROM. Uh, put a CD-ROM into Alpha. He becomes the internet. <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically, basically. But yes, you know, e- Evil Alpha is a fantastic little character that we get in this three-parter. Uh, but just to kind of end my thoughts on the three-parter a little bit here, it's. It's incredibly telling what the what the direction of the show is going into after this point. Uh, and it's also in there's also some very charming moments, too, with our villains. Like we forget in certain parts, we forget that they're supposed to be our villains and you end up, you know, celebrating along with them. You know, especially when they're doing like so the when they're sort of doing the bar mitzvah dance at the end of the episode, oh my gosh, which is a little uh, bit of, which I think was them kind of using some of the Sentai stuff because Bandora, the Sentai counterpart for Rita, liked dance parties. Yeah. Dora, 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 Dora. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So. So there's a little bit of that, but it did, it was a marked change. And suddenly the villains started becoming more comedic after that. And that undermined their threat level a little bit. They got back to high threat levels with them at points, but moving them in the, into this, yeah. into this space, I think hurt ended up hurting the show a little bit. It kept it safe so they could keep the show on the air. But one of the things you really don't want to do in storytelling is undermine the threat level of your villain. Even if you're doing a yeah. comedic story, the, the villains have to present a legitimate threat. And they undermine that a little bit after this. Yeah, they do. Which we'll I talk do. about in the season three episode. Yeah. So that is a, that's a, you know, this, this season is full of change. It's full of like new, it's all, it's full of new experiences for the good and the bad. Yeah. Uh, I think we, we have talked so much about change and I think, you know, just to sum it up, that is the main theme for yeah. this season. Yeah. And especially. the show managed to survive it. I'm a little surprised it did, but it survived it. I, it did. Yeah. 
So, Nathan, do you want to move into the next segment of the episode? The award! So, our first award will be the Power Range of Motion. Again, you're welcome. For the best stunt or fight scene. I, uh, I ha- It took me a little bit to figure out from my notes which one I wanted, but I've got one. You, uh, you want yep. me to go first this time? I'll let you go first this time. Uh, sure. This one is actually, if I remember correctly, this was a Tommy move. And if I remember correctly, he was unmorphed when he did this. It was uh, this flying Superman punch off of a cliff face into a putty. And I'm like, that is fantastic. Because that's the thing. The fight choreography in the Saban footage early on in season one, a little bit suspect. But then after they got some episodes under their belt, they figured out what they were doing. And now we're getting some top-notch fight choreography. And this oh, one just really stuck out to me because like I said, JDF knows what he's doing. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So for my power range of motion award, mine is actually going to go to a Zord battle this time. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So mine actually goes to the first appearance of the tiger Zord, specifically when it transforms into warrior mode and fights uh, the Scarlet Sentinel and her two pals, AC and DC. Yeah, I don't know if Angus was around at this time, but I'm sure he would have had a lot of fun, too. All right, and then on to the Ultra SFX Zord Award for the best special effect. And it's funny that you're talking about classic rock, because in order to explain my choice for this, I need to sing a little classic rock. Ride the tiger! You can feel his hot, but you know he's clean! Holy diver, because <laughs> the first time... And it's so glorious. I'm like, why didn't we do this more often? Because it's from the Sentai footage, though. The red dragon in warrior mode riding on the back of the white tiger. Standing on its back with his staff spinning. I'm like, that is epic. (laughs) It is epic. I need more of this in my life. Start playing Holy Diver right now. (laughs) (laughs) So for my Ultra SFX Zord Award, mine is going to go to Serpentera. Just Serpentera. If if that scene wasn't so epic, I would have gone with Serpentera. Because Serpentera is such a feat of tokusatsu. Yeah. I mean, they did such a good... I mean, we talked a little about Serpentera earlier, so I won't go into great detail here. But just just my award just goes to the character of Serpentera because it is such an impressive piece of tokusatsu. Spoiler warning, Serpentera is coming back for another award. Anyway, so... Now we go to more phenomenal Mad Libs for the best line. And I got to say, there's a lot of really good ones in season two. Most of them come from Zed. (laughs) (laughs) Zed has some really great zingers. (laughs) But uh, do you want to go first or shall I with this one? I will go first this time. My more phenomenal Mad Lib moment is... It does come from Zed, and it is actually his first couple of lines when it goes, I am Lord Zed, emperor of all he sees. No, it's, em- uh, uh, no, it's, uh, it's, I am Lord Zed, emperor of all I see. It's I. That is an amazing title of like the writers outdid themselves because like that actually sounds like something a legit real life emperor would call himself or at least think. You know, in that whole, because in that whole sequence Although of Although really only one person in history could have made that claim, and that's Alexander the Great, because he conquered most of the known world. 
<laughs> and then cried because he realized there was nowhere else to conquer. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, that whole sequence, uh, that whole sequence and that whole like line, that first line he does, the, the first line he says, and then the subsequent, and then the lines that come after where it's, it's simply just, I'm back, it, to paraphrase, I'm back, you screwed up, so get my house ready because I'm- Oh, oh yeah, prepare my, uh, prepare the palace for my return. <laughs> It's another good yeah, one. Get my, get my seat warm because I'm coming. <laughs> yep. And he's got his rotating throne. I was like, that's how you know you're evil. If you have a chair that could just rotate to your liking <laughs> at the push of a button. <laughs> that is a villain uh, chair through and through. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, awesome. that was so, actually my runner up. The uh, I, I, emperor of all I see. My, my, my choice is another Zed line. And I admit part of it is because this is used in the battle for the battle for the grid video game. Cause Zed's a playable oh, character. I, I know that. what you're going to say. Okay. Yeah. So it's, you know, when I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Because <laughs> 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 he's getting, who was it? Was it, I think it was squat and Babu. He was getting mad at them. Cause they were saying, well, actually sire. And he's like, when I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. <laughs> You know, I am so disappointed they abandoned the um, they abandoned the shtick about Zed because it's referenced in the first episode in the first few episodes where when he's angry, the entire uh, chamber of command glows red. And yeah. you don't see you don't see that uh, throughout the rest of the series. It's it was it was such a it was such a subtle little thing that I wish they would have kept around. Yeah. Yeah. And now on to I, I, I can't believe that happened. Oh God, <laughs> there's a story for mine. Uh, you know what? Uh, you go first. I'll let you go first since you have a story. Well, you're part of it. <laughs> oh, okay. You're okay. part of the story. You probably okay. know where I'm going already. All right. It's from the wedding. Uh-huh. This shot wrecked me. <laughs> <laughs> you and I were having a Netflix party. And we were watching this together <laughs> some months ago because uh, that was our thing. We would have power lunches or whatever. And I'm like, hey, I'm at some key episodes. I want to watch these with you. So uh, we got to the wedding. So, you know, and a Netflix party, you know, you'll have it playing on your computer screen. And then there's a chat board on the other side. So you would you can uh, type out some messages to each other and chat. Right. We get to this shot. <laughs> We've been talking about how scary and intimidating and massive and everything that Serpentera is. And then we come to a piece of <laughs> Sentai footage that they poorly, this is at the end of the wedding. They've had the weirdo ceremony that I'm, I'm sure is a preview of your next wedding. I'm just saying, <laughs> Oh no. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about the about uh, Mrs. Kaiju. Oh, Miss Kaiju Groupie, so, uh, Lady Kaiju Groupie, will say quite yet. But uh, I'm warning her right now: this might be your future. <laughs> I think I think Julie would be flattered. Oh, okay. We're not we're quite, we're not the quite there. All right. Anyway, you've been we're not, warned. We're not Julie. quite there yet. You've been warned. We're not quite there yet. Uh, I get it. But anyway, you've been warned, Julie. Anyway, so they're uh, flying away in Serpentera to presumably go on their honeymoon, which involves conquering the world. And there is a massive, poorly animated, just married sign being pulled by Serpentera, completely undermining the original Sentai footage that they'd used before just to show how scary the thing was. 
it it's only on screen for maybe two or three seconds. And while we were having the Netflix party, I had to pause the video. And then I literally fell on the floor in laughter because it was, I was so, I was not prepared. <laughs> I am so amazed. I was not prepared so for bad. this. I lost it. I was laughing in amusement and shock. I did not know what to do. And it took me, I think, five minutes to recover. And you were just like, What's, what are you doing? You stopped it. What are you doing? And I'm like, I need a minute. <laughs> oh, because I tweeted, because I tweeted out shortly thereafter, like this scene is what wrecked Marchand. <laughs> Basically, was, it's like I, um, have de- I have destroyed Marchand with this. <laughs> but you know, it. You're right. It does completely undermine the terrifying nature of Serpentera because just, that's so scene, surreal and weird and just. Yeah. What? Yes. That that was like because like if I had to find one screenshot that perfectly encapsulated the hard left turn change in the show, it's that. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean it's 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 crazy because that, like, it was con- like that is a hairpin that is the the sharpest of hairpin turns. <laughs> For for context, for people who are not well, for the uninitiated, I'm going to describe this screenshot for you. It is a it's a, it's a it's a shot of the moon, and in the Sentai footage, uh, Serpentera is shown as a silhouette in front of the moon, and it's shown to sh- it's shown as to reference how terrifying and how massive Serpentera is. Like it's to show scale, and right behind it is this like Nathan said, a poorly animated flame sign of just married. I was not prepared. Like I said, not prepared. So how can you compete with that? (laughs) I have a runner up, but what was yours? Uh, well, mine is, is slightly, is slightly, uh, adjacent to that. We'll say, uh, where my, I, I, I can't believe that happened award goes to Rita and Zed getting married. And then in a later, uh, in a, in, I'm, this is jumping ahead. I know, uh, in a later part of the, of season three, um, Zed and Rita are dancing and Zed says, basic to paraphrase, I think we should make a baby. Oh God. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, no. I think we should make a. I think we should make a baby. <laughs> I remember that. Oh man! And I'm thinking to myself, okay, like what, like, like what the JDF did I just hear? Basically, you know? yeah. So oh, no. that was that was that my I I I can't believe child. that happened. Oh. Which uh, speaking uh, of no, unholy no, we'll love get, children, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about Thrax much, much later. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. But speaking of unholy love children, so the Dark Rangers, the unholy love children of Vulcan Skull and the Power Rangers, because <sighs> Vulcan Skull tried making superhero personas for themselves at the end of season one. Uh, Luchasatsu, or as I call uh, them in my notes, the Mighty Morphin Poser Rangers. 
So the second time we've gotten done the evil rangers trope, we had the mutant rangers during Zhu 2, which didn't amount mm-hmm. to a whole lot. They were just putties in disguise, if I remember correctly. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They were hyped. Like, there was a bunch of kids that came in, and they were like, these kids that were like, the ranger team, if they were bulk and skull, because they were just these punk kids that came in and they thought they, you know, they thought they ran things and they gave the rangers some issues. And then Zed kidnaps them. He's like, I'm going to make them into my own ranger team. So there's all of this hype. All right. All this build up, And then we see them. They look like a bunch of morph suits that your mom sewed together to make you a Power Ranger costume for Halloween when you were 10. So it's like, it's kind of like that meme. It's kind of like the meme. It's like, uh, 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 mommy, can, mommy, can we watch Power Rangers? You have Power Rangers at home. And then it cuts to the, the, the Dark Rangers. Power, this, is, this is the Power Rangers we have at home. Basically. Basically. Yeah. Uh and even the creators knew that they did not have a winner on their hands because apparently they had planned at the end of that episode to have a big epic brawl between the dark rangers and the power rangers and then after they saw the costumes they're like how about no (laughs) and then rewrote the script so that the fight never happened it's like the one thing in green no more that just completely just like it just falls oh it falls flat so hard that it almost wrecks the rest of the two parter. So that was our awards. Um now I don't know it's, how to come uh, back from, I don't know how to come back from that. So anyway, oh. what's what what's our what's our next segment, Nathan? <laughs> it's morphin time. This is where Michael and I give our final thoughts in one minute or less on the season. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. All right. Let's go. Go, go, Power you know, Rangers. <laughs> oh, man. You know, so what the, the, the beautiful groundwork that was laid in season one is for the most part expanded on in season two. It is like there is, it is, there is so much, there's so much to enjoy about season two. You know, there's a lot of change happening and for the most part, it is good change. You know, it's, yeah. it's changes for the better. Yeah. Uh, minus a few hiccups here and there and some tropey yeah. campy moments. I mean, I'm, I'm satisfied with how season two goes. Yeah. It turned out uh, this season two starts off with such promise. Like that first, you know, like everything up to white light has so much promise. And you know, even with all these shakeups, everything's like, man, this is Power Rangers, but even better. And then things start to fall apart a little bit. And you, you have to learn to deal. You have to learn to deal. So the characters are dealing with it and you as the audience have to deal with it. And time's up. So. <laughs> the, so, the, so the moral of the story is change is a happening just deal with it basically and with that season two of mighty Morphin power rangers is in the bag so nathan do you want to give our listeners with attitude a little preview of what's to come next episode in the next episode we're going cinematic it's going to be mighty Morphin power rangers the movie
<laughs> and this will be the first of a couple of uh, episodes we're going to dedicate strictly to a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this should be a lot of fun. I, I I have a lot of nostalgia and a lot of love for the Mighty yeah. Morphin Power Rangers movie. Well, and the thing is, this will be the second podcast where you've covered it because you covered it on Kaiju Weekly. And this will be the first of two times I am covering it this year. <laughs> it's going to be on the film fault, too. Yes. <laughs> At least you'll be fully researched for when you do that. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah. And with that, may uh, may your alphas always be entertainingly evil. And may you always be emperor of all you see. And may the power protect you. Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marching. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at the Power Trip Pod, and join our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasters. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations. Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The Power Trip has no association with Savant Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya!